Welcome to the Old In and Out. And I'd like to introduce you, my co-host, Brian Duan. Brian, how are you tonight? I am well. How are you? Very, very, very well. Uh, uh, how is everything up in uh, the Catskill area? Well, things are good here. They're all right. And uh, it was raining earlier today, but cleared up just in time for me to do an outdoor gig over by the Hudson River. Yeah, and tell me what you did. And so, uh, well, my friend Daniel Rothbart is exhibiting some floating sculptures in a slip there by the river. They're made of blown glass with aluminum, uh, you know, that's kind of welded around it. Uh huh. And he asked me if I would sing some songs and a performance there. And we'd shoot some video and you'd see these things in the background. And if I knew some maritime songs or river songs. So I put together a little program of some songs and readings. And so uh, we did that this afternoon. Uh-huh. We're going to do, we're going to hear one of uh, one of those songs today. Uh, today. Uh, That's right. We are. Uh, which one are we going to hear? That's a song called The Squid Jiggin' Ground. Uh-huh. Where does it come from? It comes from Newfoundland. And it was written by Arthur R. Scammell. Uh, mm. And the song dates from 1928. Well, uh, we'll be anxious to hear that. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I'd like, to, I'd like to introduce myself also. I'm Dr. William Schimmel. And uh, this is our uh, 61st show. Or 61st, I'm 61. And so uh, I think we can give ourselves a hand for that. How about you, Brian? Sure, a hand. <laughs> and, um, you know, we talked a little bit this week, and uh, we were talking about uh, different places. And uh, you had told me you've been to Pittsburgh, and you had told me how much you liked it. And uh, tell me why. Uh, tell me why you liked it so much. Yeah, well, the first time I went there was in '85, when I went there to play in a concert, an electronic music concert, which involved an accordion. It was for accordion and tape. Yeah. So I played live with uh, with the tape, which was electronic but was accordion-like in many ways. And uh, yeah, I just remember going into a tunnel and coming out of the tunnel and on the other side it was really kind of quite a wonderland it was like a like a lionel train set you know like you looked down below and there were all the bridges and the rivers and and then the steel mills were still up that are gone now but it's such an interesting looking place and a strangely beautiful place yes. well, all these very steep hills too very severe topography so it's funny the way so many houses are built on these steep slopes and in these odd places i think uh, that the tunnel you're talking about brian is the uh, the squirrel hill tunnel mm. and uh that's a straight tunnel that goes right into pittsburgh when you come out of it mm -hmm. you know immediately you see the bridges and uh and the one bridge that sort of takes you into the heart of the city it's quite stunning actually mm -hmm. really and then that hill, there's a big hill that goes up to uh, Duquesne University uh, that all Duquesne graduates always talk about, that it's quite steep. 
And, uh, and so uh, uh, Pittsburgh has a lot of uh, bridges and a lot of tunnels. Uh, and some of the tunnels you can actually drive through and some of them you can actually walk through. And which is kind of cool also. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. I know I'm so used to thinking of tunnels as being off limits to pedestrians, unless it's an exclusively pedestrian tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, not all of them, but a few of them. Um, I, I've seen a few, and I've been to Pittsburgh a few times myself. And uh, the first time I was there, and it was in 1965, when I was changing uh, buses to go to Chicago for an accordion contest, and um, as beautiful as it was, I remember it being beautiful with the bridges and all that kind of stuff. It still had a grunge quality about the whole thing. You know, you know, it's kind of grungy looking. And uh, and at the same time, you knew something was going on that there was some sort of revitalization that was in the works. And uh, then the next time I went there it was in 1979, and uh, and I was playing them with the uh, Pittsburgh Symphony. And uh, there was a tremendous amount of uh, revitalization going on there. And uh, yet at the same time, it still had a, you know, it still had a little bit of a, uh, you know, the kind of play store you could see, you could see a, a few grunge bands you know, playing <laughs> in some of the places. Um, and but I understand over the years, I as I say, I haven't been there since '79. I understand it's like incredible. And so, uh, so you found it, you found it that way now. Uh, I am, uh, as you've been telling me this week. Oh yeah, well I wish I could have taken some pictures, but I wasn't there long enough. Yeah. And uh, it's turned out some very good people. You know, you know, obviously it turned out at Andy Warhol, of course. And uh, it's turned out on Marlon Brando, and a lot of interesting things happen. Like in places like Duquesne University, you can major in, you know, uh, Slovenian music uh, in an ethno-musicological sense, um, and uh, you can do things in in Pittsburgh, uh, in in there that you can't do in a in. A lot of other places and also um, in the religious side the uh, charismatic renewal of the catholic church started at duquesne university and i don't know if you have ever heard of that brian i have yeah indeed yeah uh i was involved in it uh, in the early 70s in new york and uh and oh uh, I was one of the, actually one of the first ones, it, and it took place in this uh, Jesuit community, which was a series of apartment buildings, and uh, and they had a, a common room where we used to meet, and um, I met a lot of Jesuits there, and I was at their ordinations, and then a couple of years later, in many cases, I was at their weddings. <laughs> many of them, of course, left the order and remarried, and as a matter of fact, Mickey and I were married. Uh, by a uh, by a Jesuit, uh, and so uh, uh, I understand it's grown into much more of a right wing organization. Uh, when I was involved with it, it seemed to be across the across the boards. As a matter of fact, uh, Dorothy Day of the Catholic Worker would stop by 
uh, the Berrigan, Dan Berrigan lived in the same building. Um, and then, you know, some classical Pentecostals would show up and they never really expressed their political viewpoints. They actually were very nice. And, and uh, so there was all different kinds of political persuasions that would, 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 would do that. And uh, so uh, it started and, uh, and actually it started in Duquesne University. And so uh, uh, Pittsburgh has been noted for some really, really interesting things that started up there and uh, are responsible for. Yeah. And so uh, now there's a few places that, uh, uh, you know, perhaps they have some sort of perspective and some places do. And I think we were talking about that, Brian, uh, about uh, certain places might have a perspective. And it seems to me like Pittsburgh might have that, 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 that particular sense. Did you feel that when you were there, that it might have had some sort of perspective, even when you look to New York from there? Oh, yeah. Well, I definitely felt like I was in a place that, you know, had its own character that it had been steeping in for some time. And people outside of it just don't really know about it. I didn't know about it, but it's also not really caricatured or stereotyped. There was even a regional dialect that I never knew about and really haven't heard since. But when I was there, I, I heard it a lot and it was a strange amalgam of things. But uh, I really felt like it was a unique place. And when I met people there uh, at Carnegie Mellon, one of them was telling me about the history of that place. And there was a, a building with some chemistry labs or anyway, some science labs in a, a long one-story building that followed the downward slope of the hill. So when you walk down the building, the whole corridor was sloping down, but all the doorways would go off of the sloping corridor no, and i was told cool. that when the university was being planned it was built in such a way that should the university fail that building could be easily converted into a gravity-fed assembly line fantastic fantastic so they were planning in the event like having light boats in a ship they were planning so that there would be the least amount of economic waste if the university should not take off as planned. So they entertained that uh, uh, possibility so that it wouldn't be so terrible uh, if the whole operation went under. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, that's, that sounds quite special. Uh, <laughs> uh, now, uh, there's, a, there's another city, uh, and I've, I've dealt with people from that city and I've been fooled too many times. And so, so shame on me for that. But I've been fooled so many times. Uh, I've dealt, I've dealt business-wise, artistic-wise, and, and personal-wise with a number of people who, uh, you know, came to me from another particular kind of city with this, you know, confidence that they really, really understood the way New York operated and the way basically the world operated and they were uh, people from St. Louis. And so uh, I, to this particular day, don't trust anyone from St. Louis. <laughs> They're not allowed in my house. <laughs> oh dear, every last one of them. <laughs> every last one of them. 
And uh, I don't care if they have that big arch you can ride around. I don't care. <laughs> Just don't meet me in St. Louis, Louis, or or, or anywhere. <laughs> you know? And uh, and so that's my uh, my take on that. Is there any place like that for you, Brian? I don't think so. But if I did, I would chalk it up to just what happened to me there. Like I think about how when you go to a place for the first time and if something bad happens to you, it colors your whole experience. And it seems like the whole place, you know, is a place to stay away from. But I, I don't think I have such a place but I can see how you could be seared or, or maybe there's a place where something is customary that you're not used to being I'm not customary. Used to it, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, it seems that, that I had six or seven people in my professional life. Um, and uh, I fell for it every time. So again, shame on me. And uh, many of them could, could in a sense, uh, 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 they could actually make a deal, but they couldn't close the deal. And uh, and so so in a sense, they could they could go so far that when it came out, when it got to the point where it really counted, then uh, somewhere along the line, it was not a good experience. And uh, so uh, that's my that's my take on that's my take on uh, on St. Louis. Uh, well, that makes me think of even just the larger issue of different regional cultures yes like i yep. was not aware of how much i was imprinted by my regional culture and had no idea that it didn't really have currency anywhere else or just a certain kind of new england humor or joking or dryness which is such an ordinary thing and has currency there you know other places it does not and i had a friend who was from toledo and he told me about going to Boston and he said, you know, I went up to this information booth and there's the question mark, the international symbol for information. And I go up to the guy who's sitting in there and I say, excuse me, do you know what time it is? And he says, yep. <laughs> and nothing more. And he was shocked that somebody in an official capacity would do such a thing. Well, you know, one of the things about New Yorkers, one of the things uh, you ask a New Yorker for directions and uh, they'll give you the right directions. And, and in some cases, they'll take you there, <laughs> which is the wonderful direct direct aspect of, of New York City. And uh, and that's what I've always uh, uh, loved about being being a New Yorker. Uh, also, I'm from Philadelphia. That's a whole other story, but uh, uh, which we can do some other time. Uh, now, um, uh, Brian, let's talk a little bit about well, what went down a couple of weeks ago, the seminars. I know you had a chance to see some of it and you took part in it. Uh, so give us a bit, of a, um, a bit of a rundown. Oh, gosh. Well, now I can't remember exactly what happened anymore. But just some points of reference. Yeah, well, I was intrigued with uh, Carl Reel's uh, pastoral performance under the trees. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then even his story about it or how I think he wasn't even really sort of trying for that visually because it looked so deliberate, but it was just sort of more 
he kind of improvised, you know, one thing led to another and he ended up doing it that way. Always so, does something interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. What else? What else did, did you, uh, did you like? Oh gosh. I liked a lot of things, but now I have to rummage my brain to remember what happened that day. Uh, oh goodness. Remind me of some of the things. Well, what day were you? Uh, what day were you on? Uh, the last day. Okay, we had some techno uh, with uh, with Erica. Um, we closed. That's right. Yeah, and there was there was the tour of of the, the household. The, yeah, yeah, and I that's something I think you would like because of of your uh, your um, interesting instrument collection as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting to see those kinds of things and these things that cross between organs and accordions yeah. and free reed instruments with blowers and buttons. Yeah. And um, funny hybrids. Yeah. That's and, right. There was the one that was like an, an accordion with some other thing attached to it. There was a really funny specimen in there that I had never seen anything like. Yeah, well, the instrument that always scared me was that tabletop accordion, you know, um, you know, with a fan in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and when you turn it on, it always goes before it. Uh, yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. It's up to speed. It, yeah, gets ready, you know. It makes a racket. Well, that's one of the advantages of the human-powered accordion bellows is that you don't have the racket. Yeah, yeah you don't it's have the an electric motor. Yeah. Because you you know your muscles aren't making any noise. Mm -hmm. well, well, Brian, then uh, fill us in on what you did. Ah. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, let's see. <laughs> That's right. I, mean I to in between. Spot, but, uh, but I, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Brian, no, no, no. I was just. But uh, I, uh, but I uh, you know, to, you know, tell us about uh, about your uh, your contribution. Oh yeah, well, I I remember you know thinking, ruminating on the theme of the twilight time, and then I thought of Mister In Between, uh, and the song which I knew from a cassette that my friend David Cher made of a bunch of different uh, country musicians. And that was one of them by uh, uh, Harlan Howard, yeah, uh, early 60s. And then when I told you I wanted to do it, you told me about how you remembered when that was uh, a, a hit that uh, Burl Ives had. Right. Yeah. Burl Ives, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and he was the first to record the song. So the author of the song recorded it later. Yeah, the Burl Ives was a big hit, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I remember as a kid hearing Burl Ives records, but I never heard that song. Yeah. Yeah. So it was interesting, and then to look it up now on YouTube, and hear him singing it. Oh, did you hear Burl Ives sing it? Yeah. Yeah, it's something, isn't it? His, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, gets, <laughs> he, he does. Get, he does get a mood. He does get a mood in the whole thing where he's, he does. Yeah, the bummed out. That sort of the bummed out. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 you, you know what I, mean. yeah. and, uh, I love the whole idea of Mr. In Between and being in a sort of limbo or purgatorial bum out. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and the language is very plain. I like yeah. that song. 
and uh, uh, and then the other one was in the gloaming. In the gloaming, yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about that one, also. Yeah. Well, that was a song that for years I only really knew about more than I knew the song. Uh, and so then it was only recently I really got to know the song and I had assumed it was some sort of, you know, song of folk origin, but it wasn't. It was or written by a known author as a poem and then shortly after uh, scored by a composer. And there were two women that wrote it in England in the 1870s. So I think the poem was 1874, the music was written in 1877, and it came out as uh, sheet music with piano accompaniment. Yeah, yeah. And was very popular in its day. Yeah. All right. Uh, of what you saw and uh, what you, you know, let's take everything we talked about right now and what you saw at the seminars and so forth, and let's put an accordion face on all of it. <laughs> and uh and this is an accordion program the old in and out and uh and um and you know sometimes we go on to all different different places uh in our conversations and and uh now let's take all that and uh let's put an accordion face on what we talked about now how how would we do that oh goodness gracious yeah i'm thinking about it also you know and uh, you know it's not again it's not a put on the spot thing it's something that that you know obviously uh, i kind of think there is an accordion face on all this well i would imagine that pennsylvania is full of polka bands yeah yeah okay polka that's, records that's one thing mm -hmm. yeah so that that's uh you might say accordion country yeah okay we were talking about accordion country yeah and so i think that's a that's that's a good point and it's definitely true there's even a pennsylvania polka <laughs> um, and pretty famous pretty famous polka which is for the entire state of pennsylvania and uh okay uh give me another one. Oh goodness well, you know uh uh well 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 we talked about you know um i'm just trying to figure out how st louis came in uh you know oh yeah whole, whole uh, in terms of polkas having not been there i feel like i'm not qualified to comment about st louis neither am i except yeah. the people i met and uh they seem to be accordion friendly <laughs> as, a of, as a matter of fact, a couple of them actually in my in my in my uh, circles, actually a couple of them actually ended up taking taking it up and actually studying with me and actually got pretty good at it. Ah. And uh, and so I suppose uh, I suppose uh, St. Louis uh, would be an accordion friendly friendly area. I don't know who anybody who teaches out there. Mm. Oh, but but nonetheless, okay. I think we can probably attach some accordion um, uh, dimensions to uh, you know to uh, to St. Louis. And uh, well, Philadelphia. Look, I grew up in Philadelphia, and uh, all my uncles played, and uh, so I had a big dose of accordion. And uh, I was, I guess you could say, I was orphaned. Uh, I was an uh, I was headed out to St. Vincent's Orphanage when my parents adopted me. And so in a sense, I was adopted into an accordion family. 
you know. Mm. And uh, all three of my uncles all played, and they and they played well. I mean, they were amateurs, but they. Uh, I realized very early on that they sounded better than average. And they were doing it. They were, you know, they had weekend bands, you know, polka bands and uh, pop bands, and they were playing weddings and so forth. Yeah. And one of my uh, other uncles was a, uh, one of my uncles who stayed with it for the most part, actually, well, uh, was a Frank Yankovic fan. And he literally would follow Frank Yankovic around. They knew each other. He was sort of a groupie. And uh, and so he would put up, put up Frank Yankovic in his home when he was playing Philadelphia. And uh, and so that was you know part of my experience. And they were all studying with uh, uh, this apparently great teacher that they eventually hooked me up with, Dr. Jacob C. Newpower, who became who was known as the the accordion teacher, uh, you know, probably the world's greatest accordion teacher. And they happened to be all studying or have studied with him. And so they uh, hooked me up with him. And so uh, I had an, a very, very, very fortunate experience. Uh, Philadelphia is a great place uh, to study. Uh, they have great schools there. Uh, and they have great educational, uh, you know, facilities and you know, conservatories and colleges and so forth. Um, it's a great place to get your chops together. Uh, although, if you want to do that, if you want to do something after that, I realized in my own case, it was a great place for me to get my education, to get my chops. But I had realized that I would have to do it later in New York City. And uh, so that was my, you know, connection between Philadelphia and New York. That, you know, whatever I learned and gathered in Philadelphia uh, had to be realized in New York City. Mm. Yeah, and so forth. Now I'm going to play something. And uh, all right. Um, since it's 9-11 coming up. And. It was my wife, wife, Mickey, who suggested this. Uh, she had said, you know, there's this piece by uh, Penderecki called Frenity to the Victims of Hiroshima. And, uh, you know, which is a very ominous. Uh, are you aware of that piece, uh, Brian? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know uh, it. Yeah, very, very, very ominous with uh, crushed uh -huh. strings. And it's quite a piece. It's quite an effective piece. And the violins that are playing a note and begin to spread out as spread some out, goes yeah. darker and some go flatter. And, they play out. And he notated it almost like with a magic marker, just thick. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's a wonderful wonderful piece of music. And uh, she had mentioned, why don't I do something like a threnody to the uh, victims of 9/11? And so. Uh, I did something and I'm going to uh, play it right now.
That is threatening to the victims of 9-11. How did it come through on your end, Brian? It sounds good. Of course, I'm used to hearing it over the telephone. Yeah. Of course, now I'm hearing it over laptop speakers. Uh-huh. Nonetheless, I experienced it as hi-fi. You Oh, so it came through in a hi-fi in a, a hi-fi dimension most of the time yeah good 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 and um this is of course a shorter piece than of course the penrechki but nonetheless the uh, the compactness of it yeah uh, uh you know depicts something that uh took place unexpectedly yeah and uh quickly and and you know tragically and at the end uh obviously a a feeling of rest at the end kind of like a rest in peace recreus con in pace amen as you i think I'm sure you have heard that yeah and so tell us again what we're going to hear of yours oh yes yeah, so we're going to hear a 1928 song from newfoundland called the squid jigging ground well, great. Uh, again, we'll be looking forward to hearing that. And uh, tell us, uh, tell us more about what's coming up for you, Brian. Oh well, I had some gigs that are now canceled, <laughs> but you um, know that's okay. Oh. I'm gonna be doing more recording. Well, I'm gonna go to New York on Tuesday to get a couple of tape recorders repaired, so I can digitize a bunch of old stuff. Uh, oh, you, uh, you mean some reel-to-reel recorders? They're not reel-to-reel. They're multi-track recorders, but double-speed cassette. So ah. one is four tracks, the other is eight tracks. One is from the 80s, the other is from the 90s. Oh. So this will be the last time I'll need to have them serviced. Uh, so it's yeah. to go back and, yeah. and find some of these old recordings and finally get those things mixed. Well, uh, that that sounds fantastic. I like the you know I like the fact that you uh, that you will be doing lots of recording, and uh, and uh, what are some of the recording projects that that you uh, that you will be doing? Well, one thing that I started doing is recording some rounds, a cappella rounds with some other singers, mm -hmm. and then I'm also gonna I've been doing some stuff with my friend David Share uh who's playing clarinets and percussion we're doing some multi-track recording uh -huh. we did a live show in hudson out on the sidewalk not long ago uh and i brought this old wurlitzer organ with these tube oscillators oscillating two tubes yeah mm -hmm. and some uh eight track tape players with special tapes that i could monkey with uh and he was playing clarinets so we played for an hour and it uh went out over the radio well, we did it. So that was a fun thing. We're going to be doing some more recording together. Mm -hmm. Well, great, great. And uh, so um, what are some of the gigs that got canceled? Because obviously they may show up again sometime. Well, I guess really postponed. One will yeah, be postponed, postponed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. until next year. And that's a sort of like homegrown supper club out in Western Mass. And then uh, another was... Uh, Oh, I was going to open for a, a band that does um, 
as a concert, the Let It Be album and some other Beatles stuff, but two of the members got COVID, so it had to be really? home. Really? Yeah. yeah. How are they doing? I don't know, but I will find out. Yeah, yeah, I hope they're well. Yeah. Get well, yeah. 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 All right. Brian, is oh. there anything else you want to bring up? Well, I suppose, I suppose that's it. Well, I think we had a good uh, a good conversation, and it's as I know, it's our sixty first uh, radio show, and uh, so join us soon for our sixty second. And Brian, it was great to get back into it. Oh yes, well, always a pleasure to talk to you. And so uh, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you very soon. I'll see you on the next one. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on the old In and Out. Good night. Thank you, and God bless. This is the place where the fishermen gather With oilskins and boots and cape hands battened down All sizes of figures with squid lines and jiggers They congregate here on the squid jigging ground Some are working their jiggers while others are yarning, there's some standing up and there's more lying down. While all kinds of fun, jokes and tricks are begun, as they wait for the squid on the squid jigging ground. There's men of all ages, and boys in the bargain, there's old Billy Caven, there's young Raymond Brown. There's a red ranting Tory out here in the dory, all running down squires on the squid jigging ground. There's men from the harbor. And men from the tickle in all kinds of motorboats, green, gray, and brown. Right yonder is Bobby, and with him is Nobby. He's chawing hard tack on the squid jigging ground. The man with the whiskers. Is old Jacob Steele, he's getting well up, but he's still pretty sound. While Uncle Bob Hawkins wears six pairs of stockings whenever he's out on the squid jigging ground. Holy smoke, what a scuffle, all hands are excited. Tis a wonder to me that there's nobody drowned. There's confusion, a bustle, a wonderful hustle. They're all jigging squids on the squid jigging ground. Says Bobby the squids are on top of the water. I just got me jigger about one fathom down. When the squid in the boat squirted right down his throat, 
and he's swearing like mad on the squid jigging ground. There's poor Uncle Billy, his whiskers are spattered with spots of the squid juice that's flying around. One poor little by got it right in the eye, but they don't give a damn on the squid jigging ground. Now if ever you feel inclined to go squidding, leave your white shirts and collars behind in the town. And if you get cranky, Without your silk hanky, you'd better steer clear of the squid jigging ground.